0: You know what that sound means.
1: Now then, now then, welcome, Popcorn Gremlins, to the new version of the show. We're now in on episode two of this new iteration, and in honour and in celebration of this episode, I'm going to speak in the like a Cockney barrow boy, all right?
0: What for an entire episode, an entire season?
1: This episode, we're going to be talking about lots of things about musical theatre, aren't we?
0: Oh, from London's busy West End.
1: I went to the Brit School
0: and the dazzling lights of Broadway. Can you do that?
1: I went to the Brit school no. with Amy Winehouse and James Corden, don't you know, and Adele was there too.
0: Even in Broadway, you still, you still went to the Brit school.
1: I'm a star, I am.
0: Yes, we've got a theatrical angle to which, this week's episode, which is quite unusual for us, isn't it?
1: And it wasn't intentional.
0: No, it's this all is, just thematically aligned in the cosmos.
1: It's planet planet organic. It just happened naturally.
0: Planet Theatreland. So why don't you take us through... What exactly you mean?
1: So, starting off with some news. Some oh, new yeah. news. Uh, everybody, hold your face masks. Uh, after 35 years and 13,981 shows, The Phantom of is the this, Opera... Oh, I
0: thought it was Friends.
1: <laughs> ...is shutting down.
0: It's, no. it's done,
1: it's done. Mr. Wait. Lloyd Webber said that after COVID... They were just not able to, you know, generate enough revenue via tickets to justify the show. The show costs about roughly a million dollars a week to run, so it just wasn't viable anymore. Yeah, which is an insane just amount of money. Millions. Yeah,
0: it probably makes like three million though. Something's got to keep Andrew Lloyd Webber in his real estate and.
1: But how do you feel about his it? Range of how do you feel about the show? Expensive cloaks.
0: Down? I imagine he wears cloaks. Um. Well, I was hoping. Well, I was thinking there was going to be some kind of joke because although it's been a while. Isn't The Phantom of the Opera about the demise of a theatre or production or things going wrong?
1: It's about the demise of a very ugly man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, half of him is ugly.
0: Um, Yeah, I guess it's run its course. But then The Mousetrap recently ended its run after something like 60 years so it's not a well beater
1: despite the current trend the very heavy the very heavy trend we are experiencing around 90s nostalgia this is one thing that will not be moving forward and i'm happy to leave in the past but in keeping with musical theater and broadway oh i could tread the boards right now uh wicked so the film version of the very successful stage production. Yes. Um, directed by John Chu, which is due to be out in 2025, starring Ariana Grande as Glinda, the good witch. Oh, and then wow. Cynthia Avro as Alphabet, the bad witch. They've oh, just released yes. uh, some first looks. So very early days. Um, and can you guess what they look like? What yeah. the images depict? <laughs>
0: uh, I imagine it is involving green and black yeah. and silhouettes.
1: Yeah, it's... Alpha Bar dressed in a black witch's costume with a green face. Bingo. And Ariana is dressed in um, a pink, poofy Cinderella dress standing at the top of the staircase. But she's really far away in the image, so you can just kind of make out oh. her, uh, her kind of shape and, and the pink. But yeah, it's not really a first look, but they need to keep the PR machine going. So. They've got to put something out. Yeah, they need to pepper us with news.
0: Do we know where they're filming it?
1: I have no idea.
0: I was hoping it would be London, maybe we could pop down and drop in and just get some. Drop in for a cupper. Yeah.
1: So talking of cuppers, Renfield. The Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Holt reimagination of the classic Bram Stoker's Dracula tale.
0: Oh yes, that Renfield. Yes, which I thought it was a classic car. Which
1: I think the trailer looked great. I was looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet. It's just opened in the US to an opening weekend of seven point seven million, which many people consider a flop the film is getting <laughs> yeah. panned purely because of the number of tickets it was Come able on. and not able to sell i think this you could do classic. two months
0: of the phantom of the opera for that
1: this is a classic case of um people raising their expectations and not thinking about the craft blade runner arguably yes. one of my favorite movies of all time when it was made they made it knowing it was going to be a cop classic they obviously didn't use that term. Cop Classic wasn't around in the 80s. It was on the main board. Um, yeah, they knew it wasn't going to be a hit. And I think sometimes you get so far down the creative process that you think this film isn't going to be commercially successful, mm. but it's going to be loved. And I think Renfield is an example of that. I think Renfield is going to be a cop classic. I think as soon as it hit streaming platforms, everyone's going to wa- want to watch it. I think it's going to be the continued... Uh, it's going to continue the second act for Nicolas Cage as he continues to dive into the independent world. So I noticed Renfield, you're calling
0: him Nicholas there and not Nick.
1: I'm here for you. I will support this movie until I see it. And if it's bad, I'll tear <laughs> it down.
0: Join us in episode eight of season three. It's probably when it's out.
1: Moving away from the world of the stage... Uh,
0: For now, Gremlins. Have For you
1: heard now. of this TV series? It's coming out of Germany and Austria at the moment. It's called The Swarm. No. It's a post-apocalyptic eight-hour series. Oh, another one that we just screened. At the no, this I don't want to give it away. Well, I've not seen it, but I don't want to give it away. But it's something to do with the sea. I think in movies okay. we've seen That's the cool. end of the world comes via, via nuclear bombs. Um, virus. Uh, via a virus, some kind of blight that eats all of the plants, like in. Um, uh, what's the film with Matthew McConaughey? Interstellar. Uh, yeah. But this, this, not, not Enough avocados. This series revolves around the sea. Anyway, it's just um, been. It One at the Berlin Film Festival, and now it's been picked up by Sky and other streaming platforms. It's been given an international rollout um it's produced by frank schatzling and um (laughs) can we not laugh at international names please it's very immature um we'll be sued um and it's been given an international release so we'll let you know when it's available in the uk but this is a highly rated highly recommended series that i can't wait to get my uh nicholas cage vampire teeth stuck into
0: yeah you're gonna be Staying close to this one. Yeah. By the way, speaking of under And And was the news, by the way. And um, un- thank you very much for the news.
1: Dun, 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 dun.
0: Um, good news outro as well. Speaking of underrepresented shows and things that uh, will become cult classic. When we arrived to set up for the recording today, I noticed you watching some clips from a little show. Called 90 Day Fiancé. Yeah. My concern is...
1: 90 Day Fiancé, the other way.
0: Ooh, spin off. Not enough people know about 90 Day Fiancé. Have you ever encountered this?
1: I don't want them to know. This was our <laughs> thing. This was something that us, and you and I, and a select group of people knew about. Very
0: select. And not
1: many people can speak as Generation 1, Generation 2. They cat's, out of, the cat's out of the bag now. The cat's out of the bag. If
0: you're new to it.
1: I'm I'm borderline offended when people ask me if I've seen 90 Day Fiance. I'm like, I started it. I'm in it. Don't don't come to me and I was the original show that I endorsed in the very early days. I was
0: the original fiance. Um the premise is this is a reality TV show coming out of the US, though they did make a UK version. The premise is in the US you can get a visa.
1: K one visa. K
0: one visa, which enables you to marry someone from overseas Within a 90 day period of them entering the country. So, this show follows lots of Americans who've met people on holiday, on the internet, on both those things.
1: And some of them have never met. Yeah, yeah
0: some have never met in real life. And their journey as they try to make it work in the US. 90 day the other way is, unsurprisingly, when it happens the other way around and the people from the US go over to I don't know how
1: I feel about you telling country. everyone about this, but let's let's go. Let's go with it.
0: I think it's been it's been out there so long. It's only a matter of time before people latch onto it. I'd rather they heard from us. Rat's than out anywhere the suitcase. Else. The rat is out the suitcase. Um I had some news as well. Go for it. I need to um challenge your knowledge because it's gonna mean a lot to you, this one. It's gonna be very relevant and dear to your heart.
1: Okay. This is a quiz. I
0: want to lose three pounds. I know how you can.
1: It's a quote from Mean Girls. If you knew Mean Girls, you
0: would know. I do know Mean Girls. Okay, who says I want to lose three pounds? Which um, character? Not, not Lindsay. Yeah, the other one with the blonde hair. What's her name? You know something? <laughs> I just want to know. You? Broken promise. <laughs> so who were the two people talking in that clip?
1: Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj.
0: And what were they discussing? Mean girls. That is this week's Mean Girls News. I've discovered a clip <laughs> of Nikki and Mariah. That. Nikki and Mariah found this on, yeah,
1: it'd be on a um, Pop Idol. social media
0: platform. Yeah, yeah. And it's in between takes and they're having touch ups done and there's loads of crew walking around them. And the look on Mariah everyone should look up this clip. The look on Mariah's face when she's like, "Does she look pressed?" Uh, you don't yeah. know enough about Mean Girls yeah. to have earned my mean respect. Fan. <laughs> and all the crew around her are like rolling their eyes and looking really scared. <laughs> it is gold. Thirty seconds of gold. Anyway, that is with this week's Mean Girls news.
1: Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun.
0: I would like to promise dun. some Mean Girls news every single episode of this podcast, but I don't know if I can live up to that.
1: What's next, Liberarchi?
0: Reviews. New stuff. Let's talk about beef. Beef. The beef between you and me. The beef between... Let's
1: sort it out right now. Let's have it out. That's right. <laughs> Let me tell you now. I'm your mother.
0: The beef between the two central characters in this show, this Netflix show, which everyone's talking about, everyone is saying is really good. So, of course, we were duty-bound to binge it over the weekend yep. so that all our gremlins could be kept up to speed. Um, The premise is one guy is having a shitty day and one woman is having a really bad time. Uh, She is really rich and is about to sell her business for $10 million. He is not rich and is struggling to make ends meet and get by. And they run into each other and they have an altercation in a parking lot and it escalates. And that is Basically, what then happens for the next 10 episodes, is it? Yeah. Is just how this beef between them <laughs> escalates, gets out of hand. How all their friends and family get involved and caught up in this antagonistic relationship between the two of them. And a lot of people have been saying it's very anxiety inducing, as in you don't know what's going to happen next. I actually didn't get that at all. I actually really enjoyed knowing it was always going to Escalate and take a left turn. But also the fact that I was able to actually keep control of the plot in my head. Can you imagine the writer's room plotting that whole series?
1: I really liked it. Um, it reminded me of movies like Brewster's Millions. It reminded me of Killing Eve. It reminded yes. me of... Oh, what was the other example gave that was really good? Tom and Jerry? Um, no, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Like It's just like this revenge... Film, but actually revenge series or whatever but you slowly you quickly realize that these two characters whilst they're mortal enemies actually are much closer and so much more similar than either one of them would like to believe and the kind of series is a journey um towards them actually finding that out that they are they are one and the same um but i think you know very stylistic movie um shot well kind of reminded me of Atlanta kind of re- reminded me of Danny Glover's Donald Glover's Danny Glover's Donald Glover's recent series swarm so yeah it's very much kind of yeah. in a similar style um looks great great uh acting great yeah. characterization great casting. cast pretty much all uh asian cast which is fantastic brilliant to see um yeah i can't i, I can't recommend it enough but let's dive into it a bit
0: What I really liked about it was how it covered a lot of ground, um, particularly around relationships. You had some close examinations of marriage, um, employer, owner relations, um, sibling, brother, fraternal rivalry, the second generation migrant experience with parents and their expectations, having sacrificed so much for their children. Can I just jump in covered. So much of that stuff, but it was really light on the ground. You never felt like you were like, oh, here's the bit about this, or like, oh, now we're going to learn this. It just, again, following this really tightly plotted story that sustained itself over 10 episodes really, really well, it managed to pick up and just lightly touch on all of these things in a way that was really meaningful for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the, um, they didn't whilst the family dynamic was you know woven throughout the film they didn't spend a huge amount of time telling the story of the asian immigrant experience you know a lot of hollywood tries to set up or, or base a film on that narrative and i think by not doing that it really kind of normalized yeah that experience and kind of yeah of course i mean we don't need at this stage do we need to know about the archetypes in an Asian family and how that works? No, it's not essential to yeah. the film. It wasn't essential to the character's narrative. So um, that was really nice to see. I think, just to talk about the cast a little, uh, for, for a second, Steven Nguyen, um, Ali Wong, Joseph Lee, Ali Wong. Uh, Young Manz- Manzino, uh, Remy Holt, who played the little girl, David Cho. I mean, these were stellar performances, particularly from Steven and Ali, who were the... Um, main characters Stephen we know from The Walking Dead Ali we know from uh, just being amazingly funny yeah Yeah. Um, and then we have Joseph Lee who played um, Amy the character's name uh, husband who's an artist so yeah great Great performances. I just think this is such a move forward. Well done, Netflix and A24 for coming together to produce this. I hope they don't make a second series because the story can't go anywhere. But I kind of think they will. I'm afraid
0: apparently that the the show's creator has said in at least one interview that he apparently has three seasons mapped out in his head. But what everybody's saying unanimously, critically is, no, it, it ended so perfectly. I yeah. don't need to know anything more about what happened.
1: Sometimes an open ending is the best. Did they yeah. survive? Well, they won't they. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the second series comes out in two years and it's on HBO or something. Because I reckon that Netflix probably didn't bank on this being as big a hit as it has think? been. Yeah, and they probably didn't do a three season <laughs> deal, buyout. Yeah, just uh, I'm just saying it here first. That's Fine. my prediction. That is my prediction. This series will come out on another They're platform. Like, we'll okay. see.
0: We'll see how this goes. I totally you take it, hey. your your point about not needing to have all of those stories spelled out. A part of me thinks you can't have that state without the progress made by things like those episodes of Master of None and Nora from Queens. But they deliberately go way back. Oh, and also, um, what was that show we were watching? Pen15. Those, interestingly, always comedy shows where there are at least one or two episodes that step you further back into the parents' experience of, like, arriving in the States. Yeah,
1: sets the scene. Having to work. But that's very... Identity politics, racial identity politics, immigrant identity politics are very... uh, they're kind of essential, I think, sometimes in American cinema and TV. Yeah. I don't think it's it, it, it's so relevant globally. Um, and I think that's just part of their culture. And I guess in many ways it's a celebration. but And it's needed in some instances. But with this, I like the fact... They didn't, have, they didn't have to centre it all around that. It was all centred around the characters. It was centred around the fact that these second, third generation, Korean, Japanese, Chinese characters are just as American as anyone else. Um, yeah. You know, just as successful. They're thriving. They don't need to centre everything around their immigrant experience of their forefathers. So, What's yeah, that amazing. line
0: that, that kept coming up where the guy was like, uh, Western philosophy does not work on Eastern minds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> And they're all like very into that whole kind of like self help or acknowledgement of their shortcomings. It was so funny as well. The scripting, some of the lines in there, and again, it creeps up and you don't, you don't quite notice.
1: It's quick. It's like um, it's like two drag queens having a reading each other at a bar, like yeah. having an exchange. It was like bat, 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 back at each other. You have to um, really pay time attention and time and again. Yeah, you have to be, yeah, you have to be listening. You have to be paying attention. Or you'll lose it forever. Not to miss anything. But yeah, great. Available on Netflix now. Great series, recommend it. It's not one for the kids, um, but it's, yeah, give give it a go. It's really good. um, Best thing Netflix has done in a while, I say.
0: I I agree. I think also one of the brave brave things is short episodes. Really nice that it wasn't like each one had to be 59 minutes or whatever. There were actually, some of them were close to half an hour. Okay. And I do think it shows how much you can do within that format. Because dramas are usually longer running than comedy. And it was quite interesting to start thinking of it as maybe a comedy that's dressed up as a drama, or vice versa.
1: I think it's something like Succession. You'll go, you'll want to go back and revisit in the future, and you'll, you'll and what, and like the White Lotus, um, you'll go back and revisit, and you'll see different things. So, for example, in the opening credits of Beef, there's artwork in the background, and I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. the artwork corresponds to the theme of the episode. And I'm sure there were Easter eggs planted all over the show, whether it's in language, whether it's in set design, whether it's in clothing, yeah. whether it's in his flat, in the main character's flat, um, character played by Stephen. Do you remember his name?
0: Stephen? No. But I do, now that you've mentioned it, I've just realised the ultimate beef happening? between the Japanese mother-in-law and the Korean guy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's beef as well. <laughs> Historic yeah. beef.
1: So, yeah, even in, in this very cloudy flat, I'm sure there were little Easter eggs in there. So I look forward to going back and watching it.
0: Kind of White Lotus vibes as well. Do you remember in the second series of White Lotus, there was all the sculptural, artistic things going on? There's a the similar... Symbols. <laughs> similar tone, I think, Fake. to that show in yeah. some ways. Um, yeah, really glad we managed to watch the entire thing in just a couple of days. Next... We'll be talking about succession at the end of the podcast, continuing our tradition of massive spoilers. But before that, let's talk about our trip to the Harold Pinter Theatre in London on a quite nice Wednesday evening (laughs) to see the stage adaptation. The hotly anticipated stage adaptation of the smash hit doorstop novel A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara which was out, we were all like, oh, it came out a couple of years ago. (laughs) 2015, guys. Almost a decade old. Um, But lots of people will have read it. Lots of people will have wondered if it's ever coming to TV or film. It did... It was a stage play in Amsterdam, which is apparently five hours long, but has been shortened (laughs) and translated to English, and now we're getting it in the West End. It stars James Norton of Happy Valley fame. Ryan, you had not read the book... So you came into it as a theatre goer, pure the- theatrical experience. What was your what were your thoughts?
1: Hmm. There's a song that comes to mind and I will credit Nicola Taylor, Matthew Doyle and Thomas Stone, three of my classmates in secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> One rainy day he decided to perform a song and it went like this. I know a song that'll oh, get on your nerves, get on your nerves, get on your nerves. <laughs> I know a song that'll oh, get on your nerves, get, get, get on were your nerves. Were
0: they the original writing team behind or, that? Yeah. Melody yeah, and yeah. lyrics. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They were, like,
1: they were wow. like the Beatles really. Um yeah, didn't, didn't get on my nerves, but <laughs> if you can imagine that song sung over and over again, you start to feel a little bit tired. And that's what I felt when watching this show. It was just under four hours, um, which, you know, my attention span is kind of there's very few creative platform shows movies that can keep my attention for that long. And I don't (laughs) think this is, this is one of them. However, performance wise, James Norton, James Norton's performance as, as kind of a, a, an abused, broken, damaged young man who has been wronged by the system. And then as a child, then continually abused uh, his entire life. Um, I think his performance was stellar. Slightly more on the angry side. I don't know whether he, there was a huge kind of spectrum there. Mm. But, you know, kind of the raw emotion he was fantastic at. Um, the set, I think, was brilliant. You know, they, Oh, did you like it? Yeah, I liked the set. And um, there was always something happening on the edges of the stage. You know, mm. you'd be looking at the main character in the centre. They were actually cooking food and preparing food. Um, in the background some of the peripheral characters yeah. were, you know, around the sink in a cooker and then there'd be one of the other characters who's sitting at a desk and actually really drawing and painting so that was quite interesting um, as a reader of um, edgy fiction <laughs> I have experienced Gremins, if some you could of, have
0: seen his cheeky little face
1: I have experienced um, parts of this story previously and I think when we left the show i asked you when this film when this book was written i think you said four years ago
0: no it's almost it was seven years ago
1: seven years ago, yeah so books like jt leroy's sarah which i think was out about 15 maybe was 20 years ago now the book that duke hollywood um there were lots of similarities here i would be surprised if when pressed um for his inspirations if the author didn't mentioned sarah there are literally some like for like uh references in there um and i also found it a little bit um with, there were other parts of it which i'd heard before
0: she did when she was interviewed about how she wrote it she did say it was like oh
1: it's a she she's a she sorry
0: she said it was like a kind of fever dream process writing this book mm-hmm. um and it was like this very frantic intense period and she was inspired by I think the phrase she used was friends who who ran together for years and years and years and their their friendship groups became stronger than family and lots of those people didn't marry and have kids and it was something she'd observed happening in New York a lot. One of the criticisms when it came out was that it was really under edited and that 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 kind of feverish writing process should have been tamed by the editors and it didn't need to be so long. But then the fan base loves that it was so long and wouldn't wouldn't lose anything there, from it.
1: There is lots of sexual violence in this. I think if you're a fan of the hallmark movies or made for TV movies, which often often centre around some kind of abuse or something, then you won't find this kind of thing shocking. But I have experienced in the past that often it's female authors who when they depict male-on-male sexual violence they go very aggressive and it's interesting now you said it was written by a female author it kind of makes sense to me her interpretation how she visualized um these kind of scenarios um but yeah very yeah very very kind of uh sexually violent i would say that probably overshadowed the story a little bit i missed out on some of the i missed out on more character expansion and more yeah, nuance yeah. And finding out more about him they kind of they cut that back in order to create time to depict rape scenes, um, which they did on multiple occasions. I think sometimes you can overdo that and then you end up losing the audience a bit. So for me, yeah, it it went a little bit too far down that route. But the thing that I liked the most about it was the relationship between the four primary characters, the the lead cast, the four lads who um, met in New York and formed a really strong friendship and bond. And that reminded me of my own friendships at university and how we've all kind of grown up and some go off and then come back. And so I think, yeah, if you're as a, as a human with friends, I think you'll you'll like that <laughs> part of the story and you'll identify with it. But Are sometimes sometimes there's gratuitous and then there's just unnecessary gratuity. And I think it was just it went a little bit too far um, and to yeah. to. Have a four-hour duration and can keep that going. It it's it was training.
0: It was very. It was very one-note. It kind of goes in at that level and stays there. I agree. the The big thing that got lost was all of the other characters, because some of them actually ended up being quite peripheral, and you you learn so much more about them in the book, obviously. Um, the cookie on stage is apparently because James Norton's diabetic, and because he's actually. Physically on stage for an entire, even in the interval, he didn't really leave the stage for very long.
1: So that is the reason the then. action
0: going. Apparently, yeah, he need, he needs to. And do you remember? There's one scene where someone's feeding him medicine and handing him glasses of water to signify the medicine. Yeah, over ten days and it's ten glasses of water. I was like, yeah, I bet he needs a drink after like shouting and crying for ninety minutes uninterrupted under some hot lights. Some of the seats were on the stage as well. Mm. I think that would have been a really interesting experience to so was be right up close to them.
1: The one of the characters um was is Amari Douglas from It's a Sin. Yes. So yeah. yeah that's nice JB.
0: JB, who to me yeah. was actually the best almost everyone else who was cast, I was like, well, that's not what Andy would look like and you know, you have you have these people in your head but JB, the character he was playing, he just instantly landed on that character and he was that artist and you believed that series of paintings he was doing. Nice to see all the artwork on stage as well.
1: Although I do find interesting is that um, what I think is really funny is like in many uh, movies and and shows when they, uh, they depict four friends they're all each their own kind of set character type, aren't they? You've got, you know, the outlandish creative one. You've got the sensible architect. You've got the um, waspy guy who, you know, decides to go against his family tradition and not be a Senator. And then you've got the damaged one. It was very, it was, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's very kind of following that, that model. Um, Like all, like all
0: successful entertainment formats. I mean, on this podcast, I'm the fun one, for example.
1: And I'm just, Bad cop.
0: (laughs) Okay. But really quite cool to be out and about and watching something that everyone is talking about so avidly and to have got in there quite early as well. Everybody,
1: everywhere, all at once.
0: Okay. Next, a very brief aside into speaking of gay friendships. um, I've recently finished, thanks to your recommendation, uh, Prick Up Your Ears, which is the biography of playwright Joe Orton. Mm Mm-hmm. And we managed to catch the movie version on some streaming platform. It's just out there. It's available. It's there. Um, and it was really, really interesting because it's that thing people always say about movies that are made about a certain time period, often say more about the period they were made in <laughs> than the period they're trying to represent. Yeah. So this was shot in the 80s and it's like, oh, it's set so set, the 60s, yeah. set in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think it was pretty good. It didn't pull any punches. Um, it's not entirely what I was expecting. I thought Gary Oldman was quite good, as quite believable as Joe Orton. And
1: that is the that is the quote that will define Gary Oldman and haunt his career. He is just okay in things, isn't he? He's just <laughs> he's just. Uh, an East End actor that came good, you know his sister's Mo Harris from East Enders. Just saying a little bit of trivia there. Um, you probably trivia. know who that is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, as someone who read the book many moons ago, um, I built up a, a much a, a completely different vision in my head. Yeah. <laughs> the the version in my head had greater budget than the movie. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially when yeah. you think of them going to Morocco and. Uh, and, and the, when they describes the apartment they, they lived in. So, um, yeah, the movie, I don't think, expands on the story too much. But, you know, it was a low-budget movie in the 80s and it was really important to tell that to tell that story um, and to showcase an important creative and artist and um, that type of relationship, so...
0: Anyway, enough, Ryan. Enough of the theatre. Let's go. New York City
1: let's do this oh hey Shiv hey Kendall hey Roman <laughs> Roman,
0: Roman hey Connor I know like oh. um that was my Roman Roy impression by the way very good thank very you good. which character in succession would you most like to go on a two week holiday with mm. Marsha <laughs> yes i've got something to say i know restaurants you know i'm gonna gonna talk about marsha yeah
1: but i'm i'm gonna predict your favorite marsha scene in the latest episode are you yeah
0: i'm really excited do i need to do anything or will it just happen no i'll just tell
1: you okay cool it is
0: all right so season four episode four the old four four what a classic yeah i think this was
1: again um a great episode didn't blow my socks off, but it was a great episode. It was very evolved, it's like, almost like a bit like a play. Um, I know I said this before, but the whole entire episode took place in one apartment, which I thought was uh, quite interesting. We got to see all of the, the, the main characters that have been in the show since day one essentially pick over the bones of Logan yeah. Roy. We got to see all of the um, I guess, support team like Jerry and Frank, who were <laughs> allegedly um, Logan Roy's right-hand men and women, just become complete vultures. Jer-
0: Jerry is always so ready for it, isn't yeah. it? She's just got that... She's always got her game face on. It doesn't matter what happens. She just has a response. Like, Well, I think there's an
1: underlying that. message there. Despite their age, they still want it, and they're still hungry, and they've been waiting for Logan to die forever. Then you've got Tom... Uh, and I think it was really great in this episode that we got to see that all of his conniving and planning is resulting in nothing. His own his, his yeah. meal ticket now is, spoiler, Shiv's pregnant. You think it's with his baby, um, that he's the father. Nice. So that's really his, his meal ticket. But other than that, it looks like Greg's picked him and is in pole position. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Great episode, very very evolved. Didn't blow my socks off, but um, I think your favorite, the, fa- your, your, the part of the episode you love the most, yeah. is when Marsha yeah. was telling the other girl she can't go upstairs. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. knew it. Yeah, <laughs> she's what
0: like, what was Logan's like well, bit on the side called? Oh, I've Kelly. Forgotten. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah. 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 Um, so he's...
1: set it up. So I set it up? So Marsha has returned. And she's playing grand dame, lady of the house, um, greeting everyone who's come in, all of the people to grieve. Um, they want to come and grieve Logan and share their commiserations and blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, and Kelly. So this is Logan's former assistant stroke partner enters the apartment through the lift and gated area crying saying yeah, yeah. crying eyes out saying i just want to i just want to go and grab some stuff can i please go upstairs no, please go upstairs and say oh my god I'm, I'm so sorry can you give me a hug no you cannot go upstairs <laughs> <laughs> really but can't go upstairs no, i just want to get some stuff no you cannot uh carlin sandra she cannot go upstairs get her things yeah uh, and please, it, kinda, things
0: are in a tote bag yeah,
1: please take her take her out the back way and she
0: drops her bag Kelly
1: drops her bag Roman runs out to help her pick up he's like what's going on what's going on and um, you can hear Kelly say to Roman did you pick this up uh, please check for me. Your dad made amendments to the will. Please, please check, check, check. He made amendments. He promised oh, me he made amendments. No, I didn't, didn't know what that. she was saying. Yeah. I
0: thought we were going to find out later on because no. it was so indistinct. Did you put subtitles on?
1: No, no, I could hear it. Mm-hmm.
0: And You're just used to hearing it. You've heard that before. And
1: also you'll notice that there was loads of medications that fell out yes. of her bag. yeah, yeah. I so did. there may be more to come. I think she might have accidentally killed him. Um, and that's another reason why she's crying. But anyway, and I think Marsha will go after her. But that was a great scene. And Marsha is back in pole position. She already sold... She's, within 20 minutes of the episode, she sold the <laughs> apartment to Connor for 63
0: million. The, sp- the spit shake yeah. from Marsha did not see that coming. But so she, it's really interesting how she's like, and now the process of distancing myself from his entire family yeah. begins. And selling like finally- the flat to... The eldest son is a smart move.
1: And it's funny when she's like, I spoke to Logan every night and every morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, now she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what's her name again? Uh, Shiv, falling down the stairs, or falling down the stair, a fall, stair.
0: Fall from grace, fallen yeah. woman, yeah. so much imagery. Which was, well, you know, by this
1: point we knew she was pregnant, so it kind of made you jump a little bit, thinking, is she Okay because um, think- she's real this is a real character real baby yeah um but yeah i felt uh, i felt sad for that well she's just in the same way that the um creator of the series says the clue is in the title you know what will happen in the series is depicted in the title succession there will be a success of the whole series leading up to it. So with that said, there's almost kind of like this cycle, this circular kind of story. And I think yeah. it's the same with Shiv. She knew and felt in the beginning that she was going to be iced out and put on the insert sports analogy about a bench. Uh, she was going to be sidelined by her brothers and it eventually that's exactly what happens. Uh, she is sidelined by them and they, she was right to distrust them the entire time. Because yeah. they are going to do her over, there will be no equal. But why did she? And...
0: Why did she cave? Why did she go for that deal? Is it because she knows she's about to go on mat leave? No, it's because
1: I, I, she wouldn't get it. Yeah, they said so. they made a joke of her. She said, "I, I." Um, she said, "I led the change strategy or something." He said, yeah. "Oh, that's a daddy job, you know." So they're already blitzing her and saying you don't have the experience. And I think also the fact that she's going to be um, a mother is playing on her mind too. And
0: I think also it's got other opportunities because not none of them were really fighting tooth and nail for it. And they they relented quite quickly to this non-legally binding, excuse me, piece of paper. I think it's it's quite interesting that now he's gone this thing that they all thought they always wanted doesn't mean the same thing because he's gone so it's going to happen by default what everyone wanted was for him to knight the next person and say you will be my successor i trust you to run the company
1: well they did in kendall's eyes he did by writing on the bit of paper i think kendall um from the moment that logan died he felt like he was going to get a position. I think yeah. this entire episode, he swindled his brother and sister. He's pretended not to care. He's pretended he doesn't want it. And right at the end of the episode, you see he goes into killer shock attack mode and um, briefs the head of PR <laughs> to go after his dad's name. After, you know, yeah. now, now he's dead. So I think Kendall just played them all. One episode. Yeah. He pretended he didn't want it. Um, but he knew the second he saw his name on that piece of paper, he was like, right, back in the game. And I'm not going to stop until I... And, we will see if Kendall and Roman end up um, leading and being the successors because what we don't have... Is his name Mattis? The, Mattison. Um, Mattison. We've not seen him play his cards yet, and he's obviously going to play a massive role because the board want the deal. Oh, the deal so is he's in a. There is
0: no way the deal's happening now.
1: He might come in and say, I want Shiv to be, or yeah. you know, he might say somebody else. So yeah, let's watch this space. Um... Let's watch Let's the what series.
0: Happens. Let's watch the season. All right. That's all we've got time for this week, Gremlins. Time to say goodbye. Join us next time for more fun. And we'll see you on the back row.
1: See you on the back road, babies. Bye.
0: Bye.